because that's what we do. We go full send and then the whole thing. Um, maybe twice as tall if you want it to go taller. Because we're going uh, a little. That's not gonna work. I was thinking I can. Uh, yeah, I know. I need to find like a good portable boom arm or something. I don't know. They have the like table clamp ones, but they might not. Yeah, that that might ruin my whole pelican case. Uh, I'm I'm gonna. I think I'm just gonna do the lean. I'm just gonna sit on the edge of my seat, captivated yeah. the entire time. But I'm. I, you you guys are welcome to do whatever is comfortable for you. Just ooch this in. Yeah, but you're right. I think probably less handling, and then more. I can just amp it up so <clears throat> we can have some distance. It's an intimate fireside chat. It's that's what I do. I do fireside chat. <laughs> I do fireside chat. Uh, Welcome, everybody. This is a special episode of Maker That Money, the podcast where we talk about turning your hobby into your jobby. Uh, we are live at uh, the LBX, the first ever LBX yes. here in Peoria, Illinois. And I've got two very special guests with me today. Very honored to have you. We've got Ms. Jen Schachter of Tested Fame, but of, of course, also of her own personal fame. Uh, and Mr. Bob Claggett. Am I saying it right? Claggett? Yeah. Yeah, okay, it. I don't know. I was always worried well I'd mess that up. Okay, good. Uh, of the of the Kentucky Claggets, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. But uh, we we each had the opportunity to speak at this uh, event. So, but before we go into that, um, I just want to go like, what has your guys vibe? What do you feel like the vibe has been? Have you been enjoying the show? Anything particularly of note, Jen? What do you think? Uh. It's been really nice geeking out with people about the things that occupy my brain a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can I can talk openly about everything that preoccupies me about lasers and about business stuff and other people are in the same headspace, which is really nice. Yeah, a lot of a lot of kindred spirits here in Absolutely. the world. Bob, what any any notable uh commentary for you I mean, from you? No, it's kind of the same thing. It's it's really interesting to just be surrounded by and, it, you know, we've all spent a lot of time at maker fairs and events mm -hmm. like this where you're surrounded by people who are interested in things, but maybe different things. And sure. this is a lot more funneled to a very specific interest, which I think is just super cool. And sitting down and talking with random strangers about materials and how light bounces around is just a weird, cool thing to get to do. Yeah. You, know? yeah, you can go as deep as you want to go yeah. with a, yeah. lot, a lot of these people. I One of the things that stand out for me is this is a more... Um, a business centric. Uh, there's a lot of people with small businesses at this uh, thing, and I don't feel like I get as much of that at some of the you know 3D printing and other maker fairs that I've gotten, or not maybe not as tight of a concentration of those people. Um, and so, really, to have some conversation about you know people starting up a thing or they're thinking about doing it, which is something I've always been passionate about, hence the podcast and all that stuff. But um, really, really nice uh, component of the whole thing. So I, I do have to talk about the props in front of us here. Now, Jen, I did bring you a gift because uh, when we were at Maker Faire last week, we had, uh, we'd shared a moment around some chocolate-covered pretzels, but they were not dark chocolate. And these are some of my favorite dark chocolate I brought. And Bob, I didn't want to let you feel left out, so you seem like you needed a mint, perhaps. <laughs> oh, thank so there's you. a mint for you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, why don't you go ahead and pop that in right now? Oh, yeah. apparently, yeah. apparently. Yeah. I need I'll eat some pretzels. Apparently, and I need some get ASMR. Get, we do need that ASMR. Uh, yeah, there you go. Speaking of, I let off before I started. Um, my I went down this dark rabbit hole. Not so dark rabbit hole. It's an interesting rabbit hole of people that have these Galvo lasers uh, that are are 
they make just the wildest sound when you like engrave metal with them. Mm. Have you seen or heard any of this? I have not. Oh, it's it's wild. I'll have to post a link. Um, but uh, I just you know led the talk. I'm like, Here's some nice ASMR laser sounds, <laughs> and people are like programming to play like eight bit video game music oh, and all kinds of cool stuff. So wow. again, you know things I just learned coming to a a conference. <laughs> Would you care for a pretzel? No, thank you. These are, I'm going to have one because these are super good. And my it took, wife yeah. would uh, go through the dark chocolate like nobody's business. Not my thing. So. Mm. I, I went around the entire grocery store trying to find the dark chocolate, and I could only find milk chocolate. And, of course, Alan was like, this is inferior. The dark. <laughs> I was like, how dare you? And I still I still eat them because like, they're, they're like crack to me. It's just too good. Um, guilty pleasure, you know, that, that sweet salty. But we're not here to talk about... Pretzels. Treats, yeah. Um, what I was hoping we could kind of chat on today, I've talked, we've talked about a number of different ways as a maker to make money. Um, whether it's selling product, which you guys have both done, whether it's to sell plans, uh, you know, digital files and assets, which you have both done, correct? Um, or uh, something new that we haven't talked about. Um, being a paid speaker at an event. I thought that was interesting. Now, Bob, we were talking ahead of the show. You've done this actually quite a bit, and you said you enjoy it, yeah? I, I do enjoy it. It's a totally different kind of thing. It's a different kind of preparation for me than what I typically do, but I really like the opportunity to not have to edit in the same way that you do when you're making a piece of content. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. have to keep attention span up in a totally different way. And uh, Speaking engagements lets you really focus on something, but at the same time expand on that thing more than you'd get to in a lot of other places. Yeah. Which I, it's why I like podcasting too, because you actually have time to get a little bit deeper on anything. So yeah. speaking's like that. Yeah, absolutely. Jen, have you had the opportunity to do a lot of public speaking engagement stuff? Uh, I have. I've done a couple of uh, Maker Fair, mm -hmm. you know, speaker panel things. Um, I usually am, behind, I'm not always behind the scenes, but I organize a lot of events like this. So a lot of times I'm, behind the scenes, you know, with a puppet master oh, making sure everything the, works. The, the is woman going behind smoothly. the curtain. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I enjoy it. Um, I think it's we talked about this the other day. It's like different presenting to a room full of people than it is presenting to a camera with people on the other side eventually. Yeah. Um, like today during my talk people were asking questions and we could kind of like follow down a rabbit hole if that's the direction that the audience wanted to go. Yeah. Uh, which that interactivity is uh, more satisfying in some ways. Yeah. Also more nerve-wracking, but <laughs> yeah, it, it can be. I thought you handled it quite well. I mean, obviously you guys have done enough of this where it becomes, you know, it's a muscle you flexed and you you know, have got and we we can always, you know, improve and whatnot, but you seem very comfortable and obviously there's overlap from what you do professionally with sure. I like to make stuff and, yeah. and recording videos, but but it is nice that you get to experience some different stuff and it's an opportunity to, you know, monetize your yourself and your brand in a different way. Yeah. Um, and probably, a, I guess, it's a luxury of success to some extent where it's like you don't get invited. You, you kind of have to have the history to, to start to have the appeal to be a speaker a lot of the time. Right. You're not going to get a cold call probably. Yeah, you don't get you just to jump yeah. into it. I'm just going to be a professional maker speaker. You kind of have to have some bonus. Somebody could probably figure out how to make that happen. But, yeah, typically people yeah. have to see you somewhere before they want you to be a part of their thing. Right. You know, so. That's right. interesting too because I feel like by – being invited, it implies some level of like, you know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I, I would hope know, so. <laughs> like, it, it elevates you to a certain status of like, you have something that you can be an authority about, which, yeah. uh, 
like for for what I was talking about, I was like, I don't I don't consider myself an authority. I've done this. I've like, you know, blundered my way through it. But uh, I want this to be a conversation, and you know, we're all learning from each other, kind of. Sure, and and you know, you you bring up the the common thread for a lot of makers, the imposter syndrome yes. feeling. You know, we always yeah. feel like, oh, you know, I'm looking at these people at this conference and what I do feels so silly compared to like how the artistic talent, for example, in front of Jen, for those listening and not watching on, on YouTube, she's got one of her projects that she laser cuts and sells plans for and the actual product. So, uh, you know, we can get into that in a bit, but you talked about this in your presentation. Um, and, uh, and obviously, um, you have very, you just really incredible artistic talent that yeah. I just do not possess. <laughs> You know, your ability. And I was one of the things about your, your talk that I really liked and appreciated that I, I don't think I'd heard somebody else do before. And it, it may be common. I just don't look at this stuff a lot. But the um, suggestions for how to decorate or embellish further, I thought was a really neat add on. You know, like here's some ideas of how to like make it more Christmassy or, you know, add snow or flocking or mm. whatever yeah. the material would be. Um, so well done on that. I like that. Thanks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Any way to kind of like differentiate it from all the other laser cut, you know, yeah. blank wood stuff that's out there. But to the point about the imposter syndrome thing, it's like, yes, we could, we all feel like we could learn more and do more. But like you clearly <laughs> have a lot of expertise, a lot of stuff to bring to the table, as Thank does you. Bob. Um, and and we, we each kind of talked about some different stuff. I thought it was uh, the, the whole conference has been interesting. There's been a, a nice variety uh, and a couple different tracks for people to kind of follow along and pick and choose on. Why don't, uh, Bob, if you wouldn't mind, like uh, share what you got to speak about at this particular event. So uh, it was the same as you where I had to put a title on a talk way before I wrote it. So I put a title on it that was something like Lasers in Your Workshop. Yeah. And what it ended up being was, you know, you as a, as a user bought this machine because you had an idea. You wanted to be able to make a thing with yeah. that. and Maybe. Hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, but you probably had at least one idea. But I think a machine like a laser can be used in so many other ways in a workshop, all the way from end product to organization and, you know, jigs to make things more efficient and all that stuff. So I was really just trying to help them brainstorm just kind of some thought starters for ways that they could make the most of the thing that they spend a whole lot of money on. Yeah. That was the goal of it. And along the way, I tried to get people to add in their ideas uh, so it wasn't just me throwing out ideas. I'm not sure yeah. if that worked or not, but, you know. I, th I thought it worked yeah. fine. I, I will tell you, I did. I really appreciate it. I was kind of surprised because, like I said, you know, lasers in the workshop. I, I did the same thing. I just threw some generic stuff up there because I knew I was going to be doing this on the plane ride here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, I really enjoyed the conversation. I mean, I'm a, I'm a entrepreneurial geek, and so to, to hear you actually dive in and talking about vetting product ideas and things like that was unexpected and appreciated. Mm. I like that. Good. Yeah. Yeah, and you even talked about little things like packaging and and other you know outside use cases. I appreciated the fact that you were looking at just some good value. I think I think a lot of people were like, "That's a great idea." Like, people are coming to these events for yeah. inspiration and ideas, so it's like they want those little nuggets, and it's nice that you gave them to them. Well, I hope so. I mean, so I you know my main product is content. It has been for ten mm -hmm. years or so, but. Mm -hmm. Anybody that is in that business in any way, shape, or form knows that it can't just be that. It's got to be other stuff. And so 
you know, for a long time, we've constantly been looking for other ways to have different revenue streams and to make things faster and easier and mm-hmm. more productive and more mm-hmm. beneficial and all of that stuff. And so uh, I've just spent a lot of time trying to do new things. I mean, it's, honestly, that's what I get to do for a living is just try to do new things. Sure. And so that affords a lot of failure and a lot of opportunity to make the most of any tool that I have access to or any skill that I've picked up along the way and stuff. So Yeah. And honestly, I, I feel like it makes you uh, endearing to your audience in a different way. <laughs> I, I don't, is that a fair thing to say? Uh, think, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been following your, your work for a long time, and I've, I've taken some of your classes, the, oh, the yeah. Fusion for Makers, and... Uh, yeah, I think that limited time only on sale, one hundred eight dollars. <laughs> right, by the way, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, no, I mean I think that the way that you uh, share your knowledge is very approachable and mm. very. Um, I don't know. It's sort of this like calm, measured. Like I feel like I can actually watch a video and come out. Ha- knowing about the process it's not just mm. like a bunch of fast cuts like montage of this and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, travel montage yeah. music yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah no no it's not his, his style yeah. i appreciate that no it's, it's nice to you. i i i agree you you come across as and i i've gone to a lot of events and interacted with a lot of creators and it's always interesting to me to meet people in real life for the first time after mm. watching them you know behind the glass i guess behind the fourth wall or whatever you want to call it yeah. and uh and and observe how they are you are absolutely one of those types of pers- people that just seem genuine through and through yeah. wow uh, <laughs> i like this podcast yeah <laughs> it's just like this is the flatter flatter bob podcast <laughs> yeah. welcome um and I, I would say same for you jen like you seem very comfortable very personable very bright and happy and that's fantastic and um it's i don't know it's it's great and it's not to say that uh when i meet people that aren't necessarily that way that it's a bad thing um it, it's just been an interesting learning of of uh people's mannerisms and we were talking about it is a different muscle to flex when you are uh, talking in front of a camera sure. versus interacting with people live um, yeah, and the reality is, like all of us and pretty much everybody has a different way that they interact naturally with people in front of them, small groups, big groups, with a camera, with where that thing that's going to the camera is going to end up. I mean, like you psychologically just have a different way that you react to that, and all mm-hmm. of us are different. And so it is weird to go to events and, you know, see someone's different type of interaction. Mm-hmm. This is not the, the thing you normally see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and hopefully not have it be. I've had a couple conversations with people, and nobody we know necessarily, but they're like, you know, the the don't meet your heroes thing because like it somehow like they had them put up on a pedestal oh, so yeah. high, and then yeah. it was just a little disappointing when they sure. were just not interested in talking in person and stuff. And it it is it can be overwhelming. Obviously, you guys have gone to plenty of big events where you're interacting with the public that you you don't know, and and that that can be very draining of energy. Um, And so it it sucks in some ways when you don't have the opportunity to always put your best foot forward because you're just exhausted. And then you have that moment to make that impression. You can't win everybody over, I guess, all the time. So I don't know. And see, I I haven't done a whole lot of this in the last few years. I've traveled less. I've been to fewer events. Mm. But, you know, Jen's like, every weekend go into a new thing and a part of all of the things and doing talks at all the things and it's it's a stamina that I don't have anymore. Yeah, Jen, isn't this like your what, your fourth week in a row now or uh, something? Third of third of four. Three like out of four. Two weekends of Bay Area, yeah. weekend here at LBX and next weekend at Maker Fair Orlando. 
Oh man. I don't normally I mean I don't normally do like an entire month of yeah. conventions. Wow. That's but. a lot. It's the <laughs> yeah. it's the maker circuit, the maker season, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it seems like there's always something going on. There are more more and more fairs and opportunities every year, but yeah. uh, that's good. Well I hope you're enjoying it and it's not too draining on you. But um one of the things I wanted to talk about, going back to the kind of the, the speaking thing, uh, I think, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you guys, but when, I've always said my style is more of this fireside chat thing, and I begged the organizers multiple times, let me just run the panel, man. Like, I don't want to do the present. I can do the presentation. I would rather have a conversation. I like talking to people. Right. And uh, I don't know where you guys feel like you landed. I see you mentioned that you wanted to have that two-way conversation um, do you have like some tips or tricks or, you know, how do you engage an audience when you're doing this thing to try to make it feel more personable? So I've done a, a few big talks like to a, a large group of people and that is really weird. And especially because you go into a big room, most people want to sit in the back. And so that's, yeah, that's one thing that makes it tough. <laughs> Stay out of the splash. Zone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I think, um, the times that I've had what I feel like is success in those is trying to relate, not just like, hey, let me tell you my experience. Here's my experience about being who I am, and you get to watch me talk about that. Yeah, It's more uh, finding a thing that they're going to identify with and then, like, not commiserate, but just, like, have a thing. Like, look, we both go through this. Yeah, I did a talk one time about, um, about how, you know, it was two content creators and how if you, if you make type of content X and that's the thing you do, there's a good chance that, you as a person are way more than that one type of content but nobody gets to see that mm. and you know i was trying to explain to them that like i'm into this other thing and this other thing and i feel this way about this and whatever and not that that's not going to come out in a project video so that's why live streams can be helpful and that's why instagram can be a different thing and why podcasts are good because you get long form talk you know and so i start seeing people light up like oh Maybe I should start a podcast so I can talk about macrame because I love macrame. You know, who doesn't love macrame? Exactly. Man. But so finding something yeah. that that is not just me talking to people, mm-hmm. but trying to draw things out of them, that's mm-hmm. been successful. Which is the same kind of thing as this, right? It's yeah. it's it's conversational, even if you can't hear what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so that's typically how I like to do the the big, big talks that I do. That's a good point. It feels um, closer. Yeah, yeah. No. What about you, Jen? What, do you, what are your tips and tricks for engaging the audience? Uh, I, I mean, I think along the same lines, like trying to find something that would be relatable. Like I, I think you actually said to me, Alan, that um, when I was talking about soldering thousands of LEDs for, for the run of kits that I did, mm-hmm. you were like, that was kind of like traumatic for me to yeah, relive. That's a shared because, trauma Yeah, moment. like yeah. We, we've all yeah. experienced, like you can, you can start to smell the heat shrink like in the oh. back of your mind. Um, yeah, that and, and just being like, uh, you know, this is a process that, you know, like I, I went to, art school, I have a design background. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm confident Clearly, about yes. the design yeah. piece of it. But I, I don't know as much about the the business side of things mm-hmm. and like how to, you're an expert at like optimization of, of workflow. And I'm not like, an expert at anything. I, I mean, you, you <laughs> yeah. know a lot, you know a lot about it. Enough um, to be dangerous maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know where I was going with that train of thought. It's been a shared trauma, engaging yes, other people, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind um, of thing. Yeah. Or yeah, just, I mean, honestly, like, being a, a little bit silly sometimes like yeah. I, I posted hmm. a picture of like 
at one point I had uh, a whole stack of plywood kits filling up my living room and it was during the pandemic so I had a wedding to attend on Zoom. So I was wearing a dress, like a full, you know, yeah. wedding guest dress. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I climbed on top of like my whole like <laughs> yes, wall yes, it of would be. kits? <laughs> yeah. So I did yeah. and uh, set up a camera with a timer to like take pictures. And one of them was me falling off of the stack and like this ridiculous face that yeah. I made as I was falling. And I was like, I'm going to put that in my top yeah. because, <laughs> because why not? That's great. Yeah. And that was in your talk. And I, lo I love that. You're absolutely right. I think that, um, um, you know, having uh, an ability to kind of make light of yourself or whatever, you know, self-deprecating humor is a very uh, relatable uh, thing. And I, well done. I, I liked it. I thought it was very entertaining. It's not something you expect to see. I, I feel like, didn't you do a post on your Insta recently of that photo or something? I feel like I've seen it somewhere before. Yeah, I've, I've posted it before. It's um, a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of times there's, I have this theory about uh, about social media and kind of like people on the internet where... Uh, the people of the internet. The people of the internet. Uh, so my, my philosophy or my theory about this is that uh, people want to... Uh, they, they don't want to hear about like your vacation or your dog or whatever up until a certain point. So like if you're a celebrity, if you, you know, if you have a huge following, people want to know what you ate for breakfast and people want to know like, yeah. where are you on vacation with yeah. your kids? Um, so there's a, there's this weird way in which we want to like humanize people that we don't normally get to interact with. Like we want to feel like we're related to their, to their life. Okay. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is my personal feeling. I yeah, just, yeah, sure. So, um, I don't know. I, I like the aspect of sharing things. It's like, this is not just like the polished curated version of me, but like, yeah. this is, this is normal life a little bit. Yeah. Not that I'm a, I mean, I'm not a celebrity by any means, but like, I, I like the idea that like, we are all human behind the, the glass. Yeah, it's relatable. One of the things I, I shared and talked about in um, uh, mine was like, I just, I walked through my shop. Honestly, it was because it was last minute, but uh, it was filthy. And I'm taking pictures. I'm like, hey, hey, people, this is how the sausage is made. Yeah. You know, you know yeah. like, right. I'm not, I'm not doctoring everything here. Like, you can see, yes, my lasers are filthy, and like, this is probably do not, yeah, do not show these images with OSHA with my questionable <laughs> wiring, and you know, I'm, I'm probably getting myself in trouble. But um, I, I do it for the same reason. I think that it's it's good to remind people that um, the the internet is not real all the time, mm -hmm. and what yeah. we're seeing there. Uh, because I, I know that that creates a lot of that creates a lot of problems for people that don't have the right perspective on that. They're they're, they're setting a standard that's unachievable a lot of the time. Uh, I, I don't know. You, you've you've probably been Bob. You've probably been doing uh, this longer than the both of us. You've, how old's your channel now? If you uh, it's about ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So it's it's been a minute. So you've interacted with quite a few people, both in real life, but and on the internet yes. too. Yeah. Have you noticed a change in that dynamic at all? Is there more vitriol? Is this just stuff people like to talk about, or is uh, it is it is there a shifts happening? I mean, there's there's always a shift happening in one direction or the other, honestly, and it's changed a lot uh, the way people talk to each other and the way people talk to to me and to the people I work with and stuff. Yeah, but I've I feel like um, in the last few years, the general attitude towards me, this is the only experience I have, has become a little less uh, judgmental, maybe is the way to put it. 
Well, that that's which is good. nice. Yeah. It's, it's the right direction to go. Sure. And I don't know if that's because of my, you know, my skin is getting thicker, or I care less, or because I'm less engaged. That mm. absolutely could be part of that. Mm-hmm. But um, the the separation of of me as a person and me as a as an online face entity thing, yeah, I think has become a lot more important to me over the last few years, and that could have a lot to do with just you know uh, being me not feeling like I have to present me as much, mm-hmm. both n- not polish me, but also just not present me. I don't need to be available all the time. I don't need to be present and visible all the time to yeah. people. I'm just not that valuable. N- not that I think I'm not valuable, but I recognize the difference between trying to get people to pay attention to you and giving those people something worthwhile. And so that's changed a lot about how I interact with social media and stuff in the last few years, which I think is also affected how I feel because of it. Mm. Yeah. Is is that perspective, do you suppose, a luxury of just your experience and the time that you've spent? Like, I, I don't know that you can come to that appreciation without having lived all of that cycle, yeah? Uh, prob- yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, I think... Honestly, and this is not what we were talking about, but I think honestly in like 20, 2019, 2018, yeah. um, the social media pressure on me uh, that was probably self-imposed got, just got really bad, really not fun, really, you know, um, pushed me away from wanting to do a lot of the things that I was already requiring myself to do. And I think because of that, I took a step back. And I think if you and and reevaluated things, mm-hmm. and so I think without that particular situation, I probably wouldn't have reevaluated my relationship with people that watch my videos, mm. and with my job to um, engage or not engage with them on social media. Gotcha. If that makes any sense, yeah. Jen? What's your what's your feeling in terms of your experience over the years with uh, the people of the internet, <laughs> and uh, and then I guess the second part of that question would be how do you juxtapose that against like your experience with the IRL uh, in real life for people not up on the abreaves uh, experience <laughs> at shows like this? Uh, I think the the in real life experience has generally been like, I want to say 100% positive, but like pretty positive. Like mm. in person, people are enthusiastic and supported supportive mm-hmm. i mean people aren't going to come up to you and be like um excuse me that's not how you do that like in per- that would be <laughs> really weird not. in person yeah um i think the the culture of these types of events is much more generous and like there's this you know everyone's sharing information and like enthusiasm for things whereas um you know being a person on the inter- internet being a woman on the internet uh, uh there uh. is a you know, there's a certain amount of, there's tons of people that are really supportive, but there's also like, you know, a whole subset of the comments that's like, well, actually, and uh, a whole nother layer of the actually guys. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, you know, I, I don't envy you in that regard. That has <sighs> to be uh, incredibly frustrating. And I, I see it and it's, it's hard to understand how to best be an ally to people like that sometimes when I look at it. And because unfortunately we, when we interact in the internet, we realize that just popping your head up oftentimes just allows it to get lopped off, whether you're trying yeah. to defend somebody or not. And so there's a tendency for people to just, I'm just going to back away from this. Right. But that's not necessarily being a good friend or an ally to people that are unfairly being you know, attacked. Yeah. I don't know. What's, yeah. what's your experience been with that, Bob? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, that's something... It, 
it bothers me for other people. And uh, I think a lot of, as a white dude. <laughs> coming from a place of privilege. Yeah, middle coming age, from middle-aged the, white guy right coming here. Coming from to, the best yeah. possible situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm often at, at a loss as how best to be, other than just stand up for people when I can stand up for people. I was, my yeah. parents taught me that. Yeah. Um, often at a loss about how to affect uh, goodness and, and fairness for people who aren't getting it. Um, mm. That's a tough thing. Yeah, it's... I wish I had an answer to that. I don't. Well, I mean, this is this is quite a bit of a digression, but I find it really interesting. Like, as a again, it's hard for us. We cannot relate. We come right. from a place Absolutely. of privilege. We yeah. recognize our privilege. We do recognize <laughs> our privilege. What, as a, a female maker, um, would would you like to see more of? Do you, do you just need to see people more people coming to your defense? Is that even effective given just the way that this happens? Or do we all just need to learn to just like ignore this and like move on? Like what is the what is the way? What would you like to see happen? That's a you're tough sp- question. You're speaking for all women. Yeah, right yeah. Right by now. the way, you're speaking for all women right now. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> what do you got? Um, well, I mean, what I can talk about is like what what I and my friends and colleagues do, which is sort of like, uh, you know, if, if you see someone bullying them in the comments or, yeah. or, you know, saying something annoying or stupid to to engage um, mm. and sort of be like, I'm not sure if that's what they actually meant by that or something. So occasionally we've like come to each other's defense. Uh, also, there's a lot of, you know, back channel conversations about sure. like, you know, y- you know what you're talking about, like don't let this get to you kind of yeah. thing. Um, I think overall it's just cultivating a culture of positivity, like as, yeah. as much as we all possibly can. I mean, the, Internet has this, you know, uh, this is not a new idea, but like the internet has this uh, veil of anonymity, which allows people to, uh-huh. you know, act a certain way without uh, without real consequence. But uh, in person, I mean, I think there's a certain social etiquette that we all mostly follow about yeah. like you. This is how you conduct yourself around people in real life when they can see you. So like, let's also conduct ourselves that way on the internet and realize that there's a real person behind that. Yeah. Um, and it, and it goes both ways. One of the one of the uh, I don't know, like internet interaction stories that I really love is uh, I think it was a couple of years back Sarah Silverman had somebody on like her Twitter uh, saying something awful to her and instead of like throwing down and like getting into the mud with them, yeah. she was just like you seem like you're really upset about something that's happened yeah. to you in your life. And who, it like, it who turned. Hurt, who hurt you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it yeah. turned to this whole yeah. like beautiful exchange. And I'm like, if that could just be a model of like how we all treat each other, like there is a person on the other side, yeah. right. uh, I, that, I think that would just make all of it a lot. I'm, I'm, so, I'm so glad you, you, you know, rode this wave with me because like that's exactly where I was going. And part of the reason that I love these events so much is one, because people are cowards in person as compared to, <laughs> uh, you know, say that to my face, yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the things that we want to say. And it's, it's so true. It's so easy for people to hide behind the screen and this, this anonymity. And, but I, it, it, it's sad to me that like people feel, I, I don't know if that's an outlet for people, if that's just like, it's, it's clearly a mechanism for people to tr- try to feel better about themselves yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, but you come to an event like this and and it's positive and you're like, oh, it's, it's just a good reminder. And that's why I always encourage people to like get involved with community, local, like go do those. COVID was terrible for everybody just kind of like isolating yeah. and getting, you know, and thinking like virtual interaction was the same. It's nowhere near <laughs> the same for this reason that it's it's 
it's destroyed our idea of what sure. normal human interaction is. So Jen said something that yeah. um, one time about fostering community, like you want to make the community that you want to have, right? Mm-hmm. We're As a group, we are in charge of making the group accessible to people, to everybody. Yeah. One time, uh, Hank Green, who's a, an internet yeah. guy, Love Hank. said something about his comment section. Somebody was asking about... Uh, the comments in his videos and why he would ban somebody because you know we oftentimes I've banned people and then I get these emails about like you're censoring me and whatever so <laughs> Hank said this thing about that you know the way the internet is his comment section is his living room mm. and nobody would come into your living room any, no matter who you're talking to yeah. and if they talked to you the way they talked to you in the comments you would kick them out of you would physically remove them from your living room yeah he was like why wouldn't i do that with my comment section yeah and the thing that that left with me was we all have this pocket whether it's our comment section or an event or a community within something that we can influence we can prune as it needs to be pruned to Mm -hmm. create the the environment that we want to have and so even though I may not be around for all of the conversations that you run into, Jen, the things that you have to deal with. I can still prune the community to be the, a safe place so that that stuff happens as little mm-hmm. as possible. That is one thing that we have control over. Yeah. But I loved his like living room. That's analogy. fantastic. I hadn't heard that, and I love that. And yeah. I, uh, I, I, that's great. Yeah, no, of course. It seems like it's one of these obvious things you hear, and you're like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sure, yeah. Yeah, why don't, why don't we all think of it that way? That's one of the, oh, sorry. Go, go on. On. No, no. I was like, the, these type of events, um, the reason that I do them, the reason that I have, you know, lined up for back to back and said yes to all of them is because uh, the connection that I'm able to have with both other, like, creators who are making content and making, you know, building projects, uh, and then also just, like, the audience of the event, like Maker Fair, there's definitely, like, there's presenters and there's attendees. Uh, it there is a uh, unspoken kind of like, I don't know, kinship when you realize that you've been in your head, you know, obsessing over this thing and thinking about it all the time and trying to solve certain problems. And you can connect with somebody else that's also in that headspace, like I was saying earlier, but also like, I don't know, at, at, uh, Maker Fair, I had an interaction with uh, someone who had experienced uh, like Adam's Sunday sermon and like it really moved him. Mm -hmm. And he came up to talk to me about it. And we just had this like really vulnerable, like personal interaction, complete strangers that wasn't Mm -hmm. even about the stuff that we were making. It was just about like the experience of being somebody who makes things and how Mm -hmm. your, you know, identity and your, you know, everything is sort of wrapped up in it. Uh, And kind of the whole, I don't know, just being able to relate to people, not just about the projects, but also about kind of like, what is, what is this life that we, that Mm. we have created for ourselves as, you know, sort of, uh, alternative ways of having an income. Um, and, uh, I don't know, just, just feeling seen, feeling understood by other people that are kind of like, we talked yeah. we talked about this at dinner last night. Yeah. It's like I think we both realized like these these are our people yeah. and mm-hmm. it's interesting getting in into these experiences because um you start to interact with this bubble of people so much that it starts to make you question or at least for me like what what is normal you know I was I was mentioning to Jen I said like I feel like I'm talking to a lot of people that are adults that are are being diagnosed with ADHD and 
our circles, right? Like, and I don't, and how much of that is a tendency for us to want to define things and medicate things in certain ways in this way? Is it, is it because we're all makers and we all have this like shared tendency? Is there something about us that is that way? Um, I don't know the the answer to that, but I definitely think we look at these things and I'm like, yeah, I have moments where I'm just squirreling and doing yeah. all this stuff. And it is endearing to talk to those people and feel like they can relate. You don't have to spend the time to explain to them that, yeah, it took you all day to do this because like I was trying to do five different things at the same time. And I don't know. Do you, uh, have you experienced this yourself? Like, do you feel like you're amongst your people more at these things? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, I have some close friends around me at home, but I don't have a lot of close friends that I could explain, you know, some thing that we all do. So I could have an explanation with the two of you that you would absolutely get yeah. right away. And you would totally understand the struggle and the joy of a thing existing that didn't exist before. And that's not something you're going to get everywhere. So, no. no. Um, hoarding was another component of that. Yes, I feel like we're, as makers, we're all kind of hoarders. Well, right? even you were talking about your yeah. shop being dirty earlier. Oh, yeah. and like, but like every person who's yeah. at this event yeah. has that experience. Even if they're a clean person that cleans their shop, yeah. they know that that's a yeah. situation that happens because of what you do. And yeah. and you know, yeah. you could talk to somebody that's in an entirely different industry, and they're going to be like, "What a shop? What do you mean? Like your store? Like you know? It's yeah, just a it's yeah, a different yeah. set of." Yeah language and a different set of shared experiences for sure you brought up in your your talk um about the most valuable thing that we all have and probably one of the biggest fallacy i don't know if it's a fallacy but like um when we talk on this podcast a lot um about the challenges of makers starting a business Mm. is not valuing your time properly um and it's it's probably the number one thing and you brought it up in your talk as well uh today jen um I don't know if you guys can speak to a moment for a moment about that. Um, Bob, you brought up, you know, this is the most precious thing that you can give of people. And by the way, I'm appreciative of you guys giving your uh, time to me for this. But um, <laughs> I'll send you a bill. <laughs> yeah, no, I fully expect that. Uh, but um, yeah, talk, talk a little bit more about what you've learned over the years as you're doing this and how to value your time and how to prioritize what oh, you man. do. Um, that's a hard thing to talk about. So <laughs> how much time we the, got? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, let's let's yeah, yeah. hit pause. Let's come back and unravel that. So I mean, ball of yarn. honestly, the the thing that I was trying to just briefly impress on people is that you know we, especially when things are going well, we mm. assume that we have all the time in the world to do things, to accomplish things, to be all the things that we want. But you know, as I've moved further in my life, uh, I have been able to do a lot of things, but I look at the list of things that I have not even touched yet. The things mm. that I've always wanted to do that are still out there that I may get to, I may not. Mm. You know, you start to realize that some of that stuff is never going to get checked off the list. Mm. And so with the time that I have, both at a big scale and at a day, you know, I've got an hour to do something right now scale. How can I make the most of that? And if I'm wasting any of that opportunity <laughs> at big scale or small scale, to do something that I could do better, could do faster. Um, it's it's waste. It's 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 a thing that you cannot get back. You cannot order more of. Amazon mm. cannot bring you time. Mm. And so, the more you waste it, the more you devalue it. The more you're just like kind of hurting your your future and, and what you have to take advantage of. And I think, unless you are generally conceited about who you are you don't value your own effort and your own time enough. Yeah. Both in like it being a, a consumable, but also just 
Like you're special. You have unique skills and unique offerings. And if you don't value that in the way that you should, you're missing out. You know? Well, I mean, that, that you're clearly preaching to the choir because we're all very humble people here. And <laughs> some more humble than others. But uh, you're absolutely right. And it's an interesting perspective. I don't think I've ever thought of it this way. Like there will be things that I never check off the list. That's, oh, man. I don't know if I feel depressed about oh, that. It's I'm terrible. not trying. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Or I just intend to live forever or die trying. <laughs> yeah. I've uh, had that. It's, it's sort of a, I guess it's sort of a morbid thought, but I've is. thought about like, what if, like, if you could see that, like, the end was about to happen, like, you're you're on the highway and the yeah. truck is, like, in your lane coming right. straight at you and you've got, like, 20 seconds to think, like, it's about to be done. Yeah. I feel like the things that would be running through my head are, like, obviously, like, thinking about all the people I care about in my life. And the second thing on that list would be, like, all of the projects that aren't finished like and, like, the ideas that, that haven't come out. Finishing that Rosewood guitar neck. The ideas that haven't come out of my head is, like, no, wait, but I haven't oh. solved that problem yet. Like, yeah. I I have thought about that often. Really? Of like, oh, yeah, wow. of, like, what would, what would happen if, like, I, you know, because I think we all have, as makers, we have this, like, need to continue exploring something and, like, solving a problem until we feel like we've seen it from all sides and leaving something unfinished is like like with my talk even I was like I I'm like incapable of doing something halfway like yeah. I have to see it through and put as much effort as like every minute that I have available to do it I'm gonna do uh put into it but yeah the idea of just like leaving things unfinished is like that's that's terrifying but it's I mean it's like yeah, yeah. uh but it's also like for the reasons that you're saying it also means that your time has to be worth more mm -hmm. because it's it is a finite resource and uh yeah just like doing the product business and kind of being more green on the side of like content creation and monetizing my creative skills mm. um seeing bob somebody like you who is in all of these different um sort of avenues of your business you've got content creation products and uh, plans and tut tutorials and all this stuff um, and you seem like I mean I don't, I don't know you personally but like it seems outward outside that you have a really solid balance of like who you are and like protecting that from mm. the not protecting it from your business but like having you know like a, a family and yeah. like you know not being all in this is all that I do I am only my work um, and I think there's a tendency to do that as you're as you're getting started, as I'm getting started, to go all in. And it's mm -hmm. like, take a step back, think about what your time is actually worth, what you want to be spending your time doing. Like, do I want to be spending 80 hours, you mm -hmm. know, wrapping kits and putting labels on boxes? I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe it would be more valuable if I take a little bit more cut out of my profit and out, you know, hire someone sure. to do that. Like, well. And are you done? I didn't yeah. Really so, no, so, and there's like two things that I have gotten to over this thing that I've been doing for a while. One is that life has seasons, like life has chapters, however you want to think about it. And so, you know, just because you are doing something right now, just because you're investing yourself in your business or in your family or in your interest or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to continue to do that. Mm -hmm. And also, a lot of people um, have this assumption about me that I have this like really perfect balance of all the things that I do. And a lot of people have asked me, and I've done talks about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And the way that I look at that is not work-life balance 
I think that implies that there is a balance point that you have to find and hold. But I think it's balancing. My work and my life are two things that need me in totally different ways at any on any given day. Mm-hmm. So my kids, sometimes I need to be dad more than I need to do anything else in the world. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, more often than not, they don't care if I'm around or not. So mm-hmm. they are busy. They are doing things. And the business is the same way. Sometimes I have to be fully in on it or mostly in on it to keep it going. Yeah. And sometimes it can run without me. A video went out this morning and I had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing that that's that awesome. is even possible. Yeah. Um, but I think the point being that you have to be more than trying to find the balance point because it's going to change all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to be aware and be receptive to what needs you the most at any given time and, and be willing to kind of lean that direction while you have to. Yeah, well said. I, I, we kind of talked about this on the plane on the way here. You talk about the, the life's chapters and stuff like that. But I think as a, as a maker, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, a lot of the time we lose sight of the fact that, y- you know, our constant uh, perception is that we got to grow, which means like we have to make more money. We have to have more employees. We have to have a bigger shop, like all that stuff. And that's that's perpetuated by a lot of the Internet lifestyle. Like we want to show this grandeur and all that stuff. But the truth is it's it's not... The way that I've seen people do well that feel balanced to me is the exception of the there's times of expansion and times of contraction. Yeah. And I think you're articulating that in the same way. And sometimes it's we, we just have to be more forgiving of ourselves when we're in a contraction phase and, and, and feeling down about the fact like, oh, this has been a bad year. I should have been growing or I had right. to, you know, all yeah. this stuff. And we don't allow ourselves that in the same way. Contraction is not necessarily loss. No. It's not necessarily failure. In fact, a lot of times it's gain of other things, like yeah. mental health again. Yes. And Think all about sorts how of you breathe. Stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah. You, you breathe that way, right? Oh, so, that's a great analogy. So I love that. It's yeah. a necessary part of, of the whole thing. And it's really easy with the culture. Mm. to think that contraction or doing less or being choosy about what you do is losing things, is leaving things on the table, is you know, is loss of opportunity. And that, I mean, that might be the case, but it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jen, I wonder uh, if you can elaborate just a little bit more as you did on your speech. Uh, just talk about like the time value of money in, as it relates to business. So when you are going through the process of soldering a hundred of things, you know, we talked after the fact. I'm like, nobody really <laughs> understands Terrible. how Terrible. much. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, makers are great at, at like, oh, I can make this. But then there's a completely different thing. You said this well in your speech. That, that there's a massive, there's a world of difference between making one thing, making a hundred things, making a thousand things. And a lot of times you just don't even understand how much of a hundred of something is until you actually have to sit down and do it. It doesn't sound like it's a big number. <laughs> it doesn't. I, I don't know why. But yeah, then you, yeah. you're like, I've been doing this all day. Yeah. And I'm not paying myself appropriately for it. So speak to that for a moment if you would. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of... Uh a lot of trauma associated with that. I mean, it was it was one of those things where like I didn't I didn't realize that I was drinking from a fire hose cuz like we I I designed a kit, not this one, a previous kit and we made a tested video about it and I put an Etsy storefront together and I was sitting there when the video launched watching like you know I put like, you know, 30 or 50 or something of them available. Mm-hmm. And as they started to sell out, I was like, "Oh, well, I'll just add 10 more." Oh, I'll add 10 more. Like this is great. So many people are interested. <laughs> and at a certain point I was like, Okay, that's like 250 kids. Oh my gosh. And and these were pre-orders by the way. Like I didn't already have them yeah. in existence. So I like came to understand that like the demand because of the visibility of that platform was mm-hmm. massive. Yeah. But I as one individual 
that is just figuring out this whole manufacturing pipeline. There, I mean, I, I created a monster for myself and I will say like that project was sort of profitable. I paid myself less than minimum wage essentially when oh, I figured yeah. out my time. Yeah, but wow. the thing that was more, that was actually really valuable out of that was not the, like the actual cash return on it was all of the learning that the I got about yeah. how not to do that again. Like as I was soldering LEDs for 40 hours a week, just thinking like, how can I not do this? Again, I'm shaking like, his head. Yeah. I'm so terrible. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like I did this to myself. Like I am right. my own worst boss. But um, yeah, and you know, it's not something that you necessarily talk about, and like unless you went to like business school, I assume, yeah. where you break, you have to break down each piece of the process and feel figure out how long is this actually going to take me, and how can you, you know, optimize your workflow and your files and. Uh, you know, do things as like assembly line as opposed to like you're not just doing one whole thing from start to finish. You're like, yeah. I'm gonna do 400 of these all at once and it'll be faster because it just gets to be muscle memory. Um, so yeah, like doing the math actually to be like, okay, one of these kits takes me two hours in total production time from putting the piece of plywood on the laser cutter yeah. to putting the mailing label on it and taking it to the post office. Yeah. Like how much is, how much time is that going to take? Yeah. And how much is my time worth? Right. Like how much am I paying myself hourly? And like what, beyond monetary value, like what am I getting out of this? Like, is this, am I doing this just because I, like, I feel like I need to sell kits or am I getting something out of the interaction that I get with people when I sell these? Because uh, designing it once is like fun and exciting, and I'm solving all these problems and like cool, I made this thing. Yeah. But once I've done this 200 times, like I hate it and I right. don't want to look at it anymore. And it's right. like, okay, then why? Like this is not the part of the process I enjoy. So let me see mm -hmm. if I can outsource this piece of the process to you know other folks who do different aspects of it, and then keep the part of the process that I really love, which is like the prototyping and designing stage of all of it um, yeah. and and figuring out where to place your focus so that you're not devaluing your time and not getting the actual outcome that you that you got into it for in the first place sure bob what's your story that's like uh, it runs in parallel with janitor because i know you've got the same experience at some point when you oh, you may gosh. have to think back further but like you know, well, did you get overly ambitious about the idea of like doing something and then it just oh, became, yeah. I you mean, just videos, like weekly videos. Videos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What kind of an idiot thinks they want to make weekly <laughs> videos for 10 years? Like that's, I mean, even with people. My favorite kind of idiot, Bob. <laughs> even with people yeah. to help, you know, even yeah. with uh, people who are highly competent to help take care of a lot of the stuff, the pace of setting up a business around um, this constant output of a piece of content that you know when you work backwards from it you have you have the post-production and then you have the editing and then you have the shooting and then you have the pre-production and then you have the actual building that you're doing and then you have the design for that building and then you have the idea about how the video is supposed to like the story building and yeah. stuff that's what you know and all of that stuff has to happen before you can actually put anything out into the world and by the time you do that and you hit post then you turn around and you start at the beginning again and you do that. And like on a weekly schedule, 
absolutely unsustainable. Absolutely yeah. a terrible idea. If you're thinking about starting YouTube, don't do that. <laughs> and so more what not to do, which by the way was the the the, the subject or the title of your uh, Jen's speech today. Yes. <laughs> things not to do to start how not to start a laser business, right? Yeah. But I think it's it's, it's the same situation that you're talking about, Jen. It's, it's where you don't actually think about all those individual components and how much time they take and and how exhausting repetitive action can be. Mm. Um, and then when you just back it up against the same process over and over and over, it's just, it's exhausting and it's not really scalable. Yeah. And I think like with a product business, it's one of those things that you just have to start breaking down and finding how to make the parts of it scalable and yeah. outsource. And Sustainability is something we try to talk about a lot. And unfortunately, it's one of these things that you just, until you've lived it, how you've lived the seasons and all that stuff, you, you don't fully grasp it. I know you get excited. I, I have similar stories to Jen's where it's just like, oh, this is amazing. I sold 500 of these. And then when I break it down, I'm like, if these take me two hours each, that's a thousand hours. Where am I going to get a thousand hours <laughs> wow. to do all of this stuff? Right. So, so, um, it, we're, we're going to have to, that, that's a, that's a massive uh, topic and I still, I'm conflicted because when you're getting started, you don't have the resources to hire people and do all this stuff. Sure. Like you just kind of have to bite the bullet, but you have to appreciate that while you're not getting the financial gain, as Jen said, you're actually getting some really good education that is highly, highly valuable. So hopefully you do it better the next time. So on that topic, uh, we did a, a small group of products um, uh, last Christmas time, last holiday season. We had this kind of small run of these push sticks that we were manufacturing in-house. Mm. And Josh had, had uh, figured out this whole production process that we could do it all in the office with CNC and laser, and we were building our own packaging and all this stuff. Okay. And so we had this process in place and he came back and said, like, what is my goal? Like, what is the, what does success look like at the end of mm -hmm. this season? How do I know if we did well or not? And the only answer I had for him was incredibly frustrating to him. But the point was not that we profit, it's that we learn what to do next time. Hmm. Which makes me sound like I really know what I'm talking about. And the yeah. truth is, I didn't think we would make a lot of money, but at least we could figure out whether it was a, a thing worth doing again, or if it was something we could optimize towards making money, or if it was something we needed to cut off the vine. Interesting. And what and, was your takeaway? Yeah, what like? did you learn? Not to do it again. We learned not to do it again. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Or, well, actually, what we really learned was not to open end an order. And to say that, like, look, we make this thing now. We should just make a bunch, and we're going to ship them as soon as we can. Yeah. Terrible idea. Don't ever yeah. do that. So uh, if we do them again in the future, it will just be we're going to pre-make a small batch, yep. and then we're going to sell that batch. And I, then sales are closed until the next batch is done. I think that's know? a fantastic yeah. strategy. Uh, one, because it creates uh, some FOMO for sure. people, which is uh, highly valuable, yeah. scarcity and, and, and all that stuff. And two, especially as a creator, a lot of people want to be able to get something special, right? And so you, you create that limited thing and they're, they're acting on it. So I think that's a great strategy and it's yeah. predictable like, hey, we only have to figure out how to make 100 of these or five, 500 right. or whatever the number is. And your loss is not as great if those 100 or 500 don't right. sell, right? You're, you're not capping your exposure. Exactly. I yeah. love it. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, guys, well, I'll have to have you uh, back for, for another one one of these you're just wealths of information and i appreciate your time immensely speaking of time uh we still have more conference to go to i've got a panel to run in about 30 minutes um i want to thank you guys both so much why don't you just really quickly tell people where they can find you on the internet if they're unaware jen uh i am at shack attack uh how do you spell that 
S-C-H-A-C underscore attack. My name actually has two H's in it, but that would confuse the heck out of people. So <laughs> okay. I just did Shack Attack. <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, I'm on Tested uh, occasionally um, on the YouTube channel, so you can find me there. And my Etsy store, if you want to go buy some laser yeah, kit go check files. out her stuff. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Bob? Where can people find you? All of our stuff is at iliketomakestuff.com. That's, that's the path to get to everything else. That's easy. Yeah. That's nice and easy. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the rest of the show. And uh, like I said, we'll have you back soon. Thanks. Thanks Take for care. having us. Yeah.